0: had suggested developing parks on the island would actually improve the environment. You're listening to the news on RTHK.
1: Welcome to Money for Nothing. I'm Brian Curtis. Markets go on alert before the new Fed chair testifies before the US Congress. Small American businesses get a lifeline as President Obama delays one aspect of Obamacare, and UBS puts two bankers on leave here in Hong Kong while it investigates the hiring of well-connected mainland bankers. Also in the news, Alibaba offers to buy the shares of Autonavi that it doesn't already own, and Sohu.com posts profit and revenue that surprised analysts first this little teaser quote
2: there's not much the fed can do about stimulating the economy and that's why i think future inflation has to be part of the focus of her testimony
1: that's Martin Feldstein from Harvard University, so we will look at what Ms. Yellen may tell the U.S. Congress. And in terms of guests and uh, topics this morning, crisis, what crisis, I wrote, that's the view of Kootz clients, apparently the wealthy, are buying big time while others are moaning about uh, the emerging markets. On uh, Money for Nothing, we'll take a close look at that story. Also, have you been wondering why the Hong Kong market has been underperforming for so long? Well, a Massive carry trade has taken an enormous amount of our liquidity to China. That from Sean Darby at Jefferies, and he will join us on the program. Also, Francis Jung at Credit Agricole will be with us, and Francis Lun at Geo Securities. Compared to Brazil, Indonesia, and Turkey, we should be a safe haven. Why aren't we? Okay, let's look at markets. Uh, In Japan, the market is closed for the National Foundation Day Holiday. Gold is at a six month high. Gold moved up to twelve hundred seventy four dollars and eighty cents an ounce. In the equity markets, Australia is slightly higher, just one point up at fifty two thirty eight, and Seoul is up one point as well. The cost will be there at nineteen twenty four. The dollar yen still trading. The dollar is at one hundred two point one four Japanese yen, not much change. The euro one point three six four six US. Okay, we move to Wall Street, where stocks rose slightly, but investors were cautious. Fed Chair Janet Yellen to deliver her first report on monetary policy. That gets started tonight, our time. Back to Professor Feldstein. He was asked what Ms. Yellen should say.
2: I think she has to reassure them of two things. First, that she is concerned about unemployment, but also, and this is the thing that uh, has been missing, that uh they're not going to let inflation get out of hand that as the economy starts coming back stronger and stronger there's going right. to be upward pressure on inflation and the fed knows that its job is to prevent that from getting away
1: the S and P 500 up 0.2 percent at 1799. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up seven points to 15,0801. Apple gained 1.8 percent. Activist investor Carl Icahn dropped his aggressive push to get Apple to buy back more stock. The Fed has already decided to slow down its bond buying from 85 to 65 billion per month. Howard Ward from Gamco doesn't expect too much uh, new from the incoming Fed chief.
0: I wouldn't attach too much, too much uh, weight to, to Janet's first testimony in Washington. I don't think there's going to be any significant change in monetary policy anytime soon. I think the taper is in place, and we know the timeline for that, and the markets are comfortable
3: with right.
1: that. Now, it's interesting. If you go back to Professor Feldstein, uh, he was asked whether wages would go up. This is because he was talking about uh, inflation. Nobody else is talking about inflation. Uh, They're worried about deflation. But anyway, he was talking about inflation. And he was
2: asked um, if wages would go up first or prices. I think this time around we could see prices moving before wages. It's hard to say. But at this point, inflation is not a problem. Uh, But I think it's important for the Fed to to reassure the public that once prices start to rise, once inflation starts to move to 2% and, and edge above that, the Fed will be there to limit it.
1: U.S. Treasuries rose slightly overnight. The yield on the 10 year dropped two basis points to 2.67%. And in the stock market, the VIX, the fear gauge is at 1526. That's uh, relatively calm. That's down from uh, 21 about 10 days ago when things were getting a bit uh, heady. We say good morning now to Francis Jung, head of Asian Rate Strategy at Credit Agricole CIB. Good morning, Francis. So things are much calmer today than they were two weeks ago. In one sense, you were right when you told us that things would likely settle. Um, I
3: think actually it's also um, something to do with the kind of uh, inconsistent uh, labor market report from the U.S. So ever since the non-farm payroll and the jobless rate, market seems to really look past it and shrug off uh, any news. And, of course, we do have Yellen's speech tonight, but it seems also um, everything has been uh, expected um, if we are right, right? And then uh, we would expect, for example, Yellen to note that uh, the QE program had worked and that the improvement in the labor market would suggest that there could be um, further the tapering so everyone expected and um, uh, even if uh, there's some inconsistency in the labor market it seems it hasn't really changed this kind of expectation
1: she may get asked the question uh, what would cause you to pause uh, tapering um, do you expect that she would be um, you know she would be very uh, cute and not say too much uh, specific
3: right I think it would be uh, she would be very Vague and saying that uh, if there's any unexpected uh, deterioration in uh, the economic data, they may considering uh, pause it a little bit. So uh, I think much more focus would be, of course, on her forward guidance. Uh, especially, um, we would expect her to insist that monetary policy will remain accommodative even uh, very long after the asset purchases are finished. So uh, so much focus is on the FED rate itself rather than the tapering, which seems to be already a done deal. And
1: where are you on uh, the emerging market correction? Uh, is that is that over now or does that likely continue?
3: Um, although I have been calm, uh, I would expect the sentiment towards C M um, to continue still for a few weeks because indeed uh, we have very mixed uh, data coming out from both the U.S. and China, which is also uh, affecting the sentiment uh, in the region a lot. And uh, from time to time, we also have like news about uh, how central banks in the region are reacting to this uh, tapering and the liquidity. So overall, it does, uh, does not seem to me that um, this kind of subdued sentiment is over.
1: China's banking regulator has ordered small banks to set aside more funds. Uh, will that be a problem for any of those small banks and you know on the larger question uh, are you expecting anything anything similar to a crisis uh, developing in China?
3: Direction along the line that they should be preparing for any small incidents of default and to strengthen the risk management. But at the same time, it's worth noting that uh, the PBOC is also more willing to provide liquidity to small banks. So it's all about some uh, reallocation of liquidity, uh, providing more to small banks and being more reluctant to inject liquidity directly to big banks. So it's kind of a structural reform, uh, which uh, on the one hand is on the macro side, on the other hand, of course, on the financial. Sector, this is uh, undergoing. The
1: PBOC said expect more volatility um, in the money markets. Uh, Do do you also uh, expect to see that and might we see a default?
3: Um, I think what they are talking about is like the transmission mechanism from what they are doing on the macro economy, namely um, the deleveraging or the crackdown on the two rapid credit expansion, that would have an impact on money market rates. And they seem uh, they are less reluctant to try to smooth this volatility too frequently. But they did so. They did mention that uh, they tried to utilize uh, these uh, liquidity injection tools like reverse repo and uh, SLO uh, in a better way to try to smooth volatility. So I think that uh, on their mind, they may have a slightly bigger or wider range for market rates uh, in the economy. However, uh, the ultimate aim is still to smooth any spikes or any, you know, sudden drops in rates.
1: I have an analyst coming up in a moment uh, uh, whom I'm going to speak to about Uh, lending practices here from hong kong uh, banks uh, money going into china Uh, i just want to ask you kind of a more vague basic question again with the hong kong dollar at its strongest point and a lot of money seems to have washed in here where has all that liquidity gone
3: Um, i think actually from time to time especially um, the liquidity will go to some uh, higher yielding assets Um, as as you mentioned, right, we did observe that uh, there were an increasing share of all those bank loans uh, for use outside Hong Kong. And for use outside Hong Kong, of course, uh, I think the consensus is for uh, expecting these loans to mainland China. Because if you look at the youth differentials, if you borrow directly from mainland China, of course, uh, you need to pay a much higher interest rate. But then in Hong Kong, even if you borrow it and then even if you swap it into B, the total cost could be lower. So it's all these kind of capital flows. Indeed, from a very Bigger perspective or broader perspective, it is what has been happening under this tapering um, environment because US dollar rates are going up. So, for those who are yielding much less, they have to catch up or else liquidity will go away.
1: Okay, Francis, thank you for joining us here on Money for Nothing. Francis Jung, head of Asian rate strategy at Credit Agricole CIB. Well, the invisible carry trade, Hong Kong banks have lent. About 400 billion U.S. dollars uh, to entities uh, in China since the quantitative easing programs began uh, back in the United States. And it accounts for some 150 percent of GDP. Sean Darby, chief global equity strategist at Jeffries, joins us on the line. Good morning, Sean. Yeah, this is hard for me to get my head round, um, but uh, Francis was just talking there about uh, how a lot of the, the money that has washed in here has gone into high-yield products in China. Now, these uh, loans that you're talking about, uh, are these collateralized loans?
4: Well, it's very good. I, I enjoyed listening to Francis's comments because they sort of uh, ring very true. Um, indeed, the rates in, for um, borrowing in Hong Kong have been much lower than those on the mainland. And uh, there's been a sort of a carry trade that's gone into financing what are more direct products, not necessarily any, any of these trust products, more direct lending. But nevertheless, the rates that have been offered by Hong Kong banks have been relatively lower than those perhaps been uh, that have been available in the main.
1: So, so back to the question about collateralized loans. Uh, if we've loaned a lot of money to China, do we run into trouble, you know, seizing property or you know, getting the collateral?
4: Well, the the this is this is really where the whole um, rub of my argument, which is that we've never been through this cycle really, and for all entities, whether it's the HKMA investors or even in the banks. Uh, We've not gone through a full credit cycle in which the Hong Kong banks have lent so significantly offshore to any entity, whether it's China or anyone else. And that uh, we're still very hard to determine just how prudent that lending has been. And, of course, to what extent uh, the collateral has has actually been uh, of a value that can be uh, redeemed later.
1: How does it actually work if money comes in here um, because of quantitative easing? Uh, So, in other words, they print money in the States banks and other entities that get their hands on money, they move it to where there is supposedly higher growth rates and the Hong Kong dollar is about as strong as it can be Um, but does that money, how does that money actually then go into China? Well there's a couple of Ways it, it moves into China. One
4: um, is, of course, through the growth of the uh, dim, sum, dim Sum market here, which is the offshore RMB, which has been placed here as, as a consequence of the relaxation of capital controls in China. So um, that, that's, an in, that's a very formal way of bonds being issued or money being raised in Hong Kong through the RMB market and essentially recycled back into uh, China. And the second way is the fact that the pool of so extensively over the last few years as a, as a result of QE that um, borrowers directly from China borrow in dollars or other, uh, or in Hong Kong dollars. And of course, that money then is swapped back into RMB or left in dollars and brought back into, into the mainland as a form of dollar
1: borrowing. If it's switched into Renminbi or if it goes into China, then why does our Hong Kong dollar stay at the strongest it can in that convertibility arrangement?
4: The reason is that uh, Hong Kong is seen as a very much a gateway uh, of money to move into uh, China. Secondly, the credit rating of Hong Kong is uh, very high. And thirdly, expectations, which I think is very, very important in this of a, our continued R&B appreciation, has also meant that money has been drawn into Hong Kong as well.
1: Now, you said that the stock market will trend lower because of this. Uh, and uh, I think you also said something along the lines, uh, which I wrote into my intro, you know, that we ought to be a safe haven. And yet... Um, you know we don't really seem like one because we our market has struggled for a long time and um it puts us in a peculiar uh, predicament
4: it is you're quite right i think there's two things one is that the lending cycle that we're having in now through the banks in Hong Kong is very different from anything that we've seen since the peg, as I mentioned earlier. So, the consequences of credit cycles are going to be very different looking forward, number one. Number two is, as we've seen with some emerging markets, the unintended consequences initially of being a growth story or having at at that, you know, nearly four or five years ago, a good banking system and healthy, uh, healthy balance sheets actually turned out to be a disaster for many, EM countries, as they were swamped by inflows and couldn't deal with the subsequent credit boom. And that's, of course, what's happened in places like Turkey and to some extent Indonesia. So the problem is that, um, as we're seeing, is this liquidity starts to be withdrawn back to the United States, that uh, the sort of, the, as, as Warren Buffett would say, it's only when the tide goes out that you find the problems emerging.
1: But that doesn't explain why the past couple of years we underperformed so badly in Hong Kong.
4: Um, I think more of that's been a result of local conditions for the equity market, which has been that the banks have had a very tight rein on, in terms of domestic lending and therefore asset prices couldn't move up as perhaps they, as people would have expected in previous cycles. So, if you look through 2006-2007, there was a very large property boom. There was a big warrant market. Uh, all of that led to very, very juicy gains in asset markets this time round. The um, authorities have clamped down on a lot of this type of um, derivatives, a lot of this type of lending to the property market. The irony, of course, was that uh, the banks then went out and started lending directly into the mainland.
1: So, the long and short of your argument is that um, you're probably not so wise to be sinking money into the Hong Kong uh, stock market at the moment. You can find better returns elsewhere.
4: Yes. of it, Hong Kong looks actually quite cheap. And I think it's been cheap for a reason, which is that uh, people are beginning to worry about what does happen 12 to 18 months down, uh, down the road. And your earlier guess alluded to the fact that, uh, again, the tightening cycle in China might actually start to um, create some problems later on down the road for some of this lending.
1: And if I could just ask you briefly about uh, Janet Yellen and her testimony, and then I'll let you go. I've got another guest coming up in just a moment. Uh, uh, are you expecting anything really new and sexy?
4: Not really. I think the one thing to watch is the uh, unemployment threshold that Mr. Bernanke put in. He put a threshold of 6.5%, in which he said if you know, the unemployment rate went to 65 he would then consider raising rates. Well, we're up to 66 so certainly the markets would be worried if indeed that uh, Mrs. Yellen didn't push out that, uh, that guidance. So that's really, I think, the thing that the markets will be looking at over the next uh, uh, 24, 48 hours.
1: Had they sort of not covered it already with that language saying well past uh, 6.5%?
4: Um, again, I think you're, you're right. But, um, but that
1: was today, more on interest rates, wasn't it? That, uh, that
4: was right. We've
1: only it's just got started on tapering.
4: I guess the, the irony, of course, is that the markets are still very much um, uh, confused by the, by the macro data. We did have good in, uh, employment data coming into, uh, coming into December and January, and then it went all very, very uh, soft. So markets are still a little bit worried whether but what the actual true underlying strengths of the uh, labor markets are. Hence, they're, they're a little bit of concern over where we, where we are on the guidance.
1: Okay, Sean, thank you very much for joining us here. Sean Darby, a chief global equity strategist at Jeffery. A couple of quick hits here. Alibaba has offered to buy the shares of AutoNavi that it doesn't already own. It's a deal that would value the digital mapping service at some $1.6 billion. ADRs of AutoNavi surged 24% in New York to 2057 Sohu.com posted profit and revenue that surprised analysts to the upside. Fourth quarter net income was $2 million compared with estimates for an actual loss. And UBS has put two bankers on leave as part of an investigation into the bank's hiring practices. UBS hired a close relative connected to a potential Chinese corporate client, according to IFR. The move comes after U.S. officials launched a probe into employment practices at JPMorgan Chase. IFR said that Joseph Chi, head of Capital Market Solutions at UBS and colleague Sherilyn Wu were put on leave last week. The suspension comes after a probe was launched into the hiring of Joyce Wei. She's the daughter of the chairman of Chinese industrial company Tianhe Chemicals. And we say good morning now to Francis Lun, <coughs> CEO of GEO Securities. Good, good morning. morning, Francis. Okay, so some of the same questions, really. Yeah. Uh, last time you were on, uh, by coincidence, it was the same day that Francis Chairman Yeah, with Cher Frances Chairman, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, nothing intentional there. But uh, anyway, uh, she was rather uh, calm and, um, and, and kind of uh, thinking that the, the, yeah. that the torrid conditions would pass. You were a little bit more nervous. Yeah, that's right. You were predicting right. a 4,000-point drop in the Hang Seng Index. Yeah. We did see a fairly major drop, but not quite that. Do you expect that uh, we will eventually get there?
0: Uh, Yeah, I think uh, if you look at the uh, money movement, uh, uh, the two previous guests, Francis and Sean, already said it, uh, actually there has been a movement away from equity into uh, debt. Uh, uh, According to, I think, a CNBC report, uh, since the new year began, uh, some something like 240 billion U.S. dollars of money uh, have been switched from equity into debt. Uh, 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 the uh, 10-year bond yield is most telling. It started the new year at 3%, and and then right now it's 2.6%. So what what you see is re- really a move a, a Major reallocation of assets, people are less uh, risk, uh, 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 have less risk appetite, well, and they want to find a safe haven. It could well be smart, though, Francis,
1: in, 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 in one <laughs> sense. I mean, if you, if you think about this, that in China, the big banks fund the state-owned enterprises, yeah. and, and the smaller companies find it difficult sometimes to get loans. Yeah. Maybe this is a lot of money that's going you know, into these smarter investments, loans uh, to to smaller companies that couldn't get the money otherwise.
0: Yeah, uh, that's right. You uh, you you mentioned the the huge amount of money that's been going from the Hong Kong banking system into China. Uh, uh, actually, the bond market, uh, and actually the renminbi bond market in Hong Kong, has been very active uh, since last year, or actually since two years ago. That's because uh, mainland companies have such huge appetites for uh, for money and especially the real estate companies the real estate developers they cannot get sizable loans in china and they had to get it from the uh, debt market at the bond market in hong kong and, and surprisingly it it, it is that Chinese uh, investors, people from China, who are coming to Hong Kong and buy up these bonds from mainland developers, uh, that are yielding to up to more than ten uh, percent. Uh, and I think three years ago, the yield was some close to several like twenty percent. Now it's down to about eight well- percent. It is scary.
1: Uh, yeah. it, I mean, uh, in Sean's report uh, that caught my eye last, uh, late last week, yeah. he said that Hong Kong banks have lent 150% of our GDP yeah. to China. Now, that's,
0: oh, that's a very not, large that's number. That's not surprising because uh, Hong Kong bank alone has, uh, I think – I think has a balance of something like $4 trillion US dollars. If it goes bust, Hong Kong will not be able <laughs> to recapitalize it. So what you have is the Icelandic situation, the banks are bigger than the economy. So do
1: you <laughs> think that that is money that washed in here because of QE or is it our own local money?
0: Because we, uh, uh, we, we're I, a rich I, place I, with a lot of uh, wealthy investors. <clears throat> I, I I think a lot of the, it is QE. According to Norman Chan, since uh, 2008, something like 100 billion U.S. dollars of excess liquidity uh, came into Hong Kong. And I think most of it actually went into high yield uh, uh, bonds. Uh, 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 borrowers from yeah, China. I, I
1: guess it must be both then because uh, in Sean's report he said that it uh, was um, more than 400 billion US dollars so yeah. if if 150 did you say that... Um, 100 billion that's 100, according 100, to Norman, okay, Chan, Norman Chan within Chan, one yeah, year of... HKMA says uh, yeah.
0: 100 billion within one year of QE being launched. Yeah, yeah that's right. So, yeah. so uh, cumulatively I think 400 billion is a a, a reasonable figure. Okay.
1: So, you could still make money even with um, you know this... Uh, languishing stock market that we've had if you yeah. went in the right places in the past year mm. you know mm. and we've talked about these ad infinitum about the Macau gaming companies yeah. and the uh, some of the internet stocks like 10 cent mm. but um where are you looking now i mean if you feel you have to do something and fund managers are listening they have to be invested in Hong Kong to a certain extent where <laughs> sh- where should they be directing their money
0: well i think uh, you, you you look at the M&A in the internet sector so you know where 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 the game is being played. So, so you go for these uh, internet plays. But they've gone up so much. I yeah. mean, if you look
1: at these companies like Boya Interactive and 4 yeah, Game right. and, and uh, China Binary. They've gone up like 200, 300%. Yeah but, Kingsoft,
0: but, yeah, but, but this is the only, only sector where, where, where there is still. Gone some up too much. some, People some put money opportunity. E, even the Macau gaming sector is uh, is peaking already, or, or has peaked already. And you you, you look at finance or, or property, they are not attractive at all. So 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 what, what do about have mainland?
1: Left? What about mainland property developers? Uh, uh-huh. Since they're so cheap, I mean, their yeah. their PEs they're all are trading down in the below book value.
0: Yeah, but 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 the problem is. Uh, uh, they, uh, they've been controlled by the government for so long. And they, they do do not dare to raise prices, even if there is strong demand. And, and, and another problem, if you look beyond the first-line cities, like Shanghai and Beijing, you look everywhere else, there is oversupply. So actually, people look at that and say, wow.
1: Okay, so stay away from that. What about this kind of new theme that popped up in the past month or two? Um, uh, which is um, lotteries in China, a company <laughs> like Lot Synergy. Is that too speculative in your Yeah, mind? that
0: is really too speculative. If you look at the. Uh uh, P&L, the profit loss uh, figures from these China lottery uh, companies and none of them uh, 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 can, can boost a uh, and l report like the, uh, the internet sector or the Macau gaming sector so they are not supported by actual fundamentals like uh, profit Are you worried about the Hong Kong economy or just the market here? I think the market has been in the doldrums for something like three years. And with the lack of interest, even though it's trading at such a low peak. But our economy hasn't been. I mean, we've been showing pretty solid growth. Yeah. Well, this is surprising. Look at China, too. It has the cheapest uh, stock market in the world.
1: Yeah, but you're kind of calling for 4000 That's a lot. Does that really damage the Hong Kong economy
0: or not really? No, no, no. Well, the people who play the stock market is still in the minority.
1: Okay, your single best investor investment idea at the moment
0: uh, i still stick with ten cent ten
1: cent okay <laughs> yeah, yeah ten cents a monster um it's po- probably one of the few companies in the Hang Seng index that is at an all-time high yeah that's right oh, very that's close right. to it okay mm-hmm. uh i should say i own some too so but anyway that was your comment not mine <laughs> all right thanks very much francis okay. Bye. francis Lynn, ceo of geo securities money for nothing and that's it it's 8 30. Mark is not doing too much. Uh, I mentioned Japan closed, Australia sold, really not moving too much at all. We told you gold went up to a 6-month high, 1274 an ounce. Weather today mainly cloudy, some rain patches, very cold in the morning, maximum temperature just 11 degrees today, just 11. And uh, remaining cold and cloudy for the rest of this week. Temperatures down around 10 degrees or even less. Well, let's get a new summary now with Etienne Lamy
0: Smith. The United Nations says both government and rebel forces in the Syrian city of Homs have agreed to a three-day extension of a ceasefire to allow more residents to be evacuated. More than 450 vulnerable people were moved out of the old city of Homs yesterday, but aid organizations are keen to get more food and medicine into the city. The BBC's Jim Muir reports.
4: The three-day humanitarian pause initially agreed by both sides for the relief operation at Homs expired on Sunday There hasn't been an official announcement that it's been extended for another three days, but the UN's Humanitarian Affairs Chief, Valerie Amos, has welcomed reports that it has been. And on the ground, efforts are going ahead on that assumption, with the Governor of Homs announcing the evacuation of hundreds more women, children and elderly. Valerie Amos said that many of those who left earlier appeared traumatized and weak after enduring many months of siege, under bombardment and with little food or